0: May your sword stay wet Like Like a young young girl in her prime prime. Hold your hammers high And welcome to Death Metal Deuce It's our first annual Yule Time Special. We're going against Jesus once again, taking Christianity down for the bullshit that it is. And we're going to tell you all about Yule tonight. If you tuned in this week for some murder, mayhem, and chaos, you're not going to get it. But we're going to give you the origins of the most metal of all holidays, Yule. Yule, Yule, time to take a stool. Yule is a festival observed by historical Germanic people. Scholars have connected the celebration to the wild hunt and the god Odin. It later underwent Christianized reformation, reformulation resulting in the term Christmastide, coming from tide. In other words, this is where Christians stole Christmas. So this episode we are bringing noggin cheer to you dicks. In effort to kick Christians in the dick and take the holiday back. Welcome to it. Just want to give a shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you guys so much. Super huge thank you to the people that have reached our highest tiers of patronage. Kat McCorkle, Bobby Henderson, Matt Messatizia and Ryan Parker. They're all giving us... Quite a lot. And man, do we appreciate that. You guys are terrific. Keep it up. Of course, you can check out uh, patreon.com backslash death metal dicks. Become a patron. I just today released a brand new true crime roundup. That is where I review all the true crimes for the week and upload it only to patrons. So head over to the website. Check it out. It's the easiest way To support us And if you can't do that We totally get it You can definitely help us out With this gift we give to you By giving back to us Your friends here at Death Metal Dicks By giving us a 5 star review On whatever platform you listen to us on And a simple share to your friends Will be immense This is a DIY situation And yourself includes you guys That listen to us We love you, we thank you for tuning in And let's jump into this Yule Time episode. Now, Christians are responsible for all the problems in the world. Can we agree with this? Yeah, we can. They take traditions like Yule and refabricate them to fit their narrative. It's par for the course with Christians. And that is why most cultures, most older cultures shun Christianity and why our friends Varg and company burn those churches down. Yep, Because they'll come into a culture that's already been established Somewhere that they've got their own gods, their own system, a way that they've ran a country for centuries, take it over, and once they manipulate their way into government, they'll immediately burn all records and traces of the religions that came before them, so that way the people that come in the future look back and see the country as an always-being Christian religion. Yep. And that's what made the uh, second wave of black metal burn those churches and so mad in Norway. It's often a misconception that it was for Satan, a Satanism. That's completely wrong. They were actually looking out for traditional Norse paganism and hedonism, yep. and that was taken away by Christianity. So a lot of the traditions of Yule – were kind of hard to track down. I had to do a lot of research, a lot more reading than I wanted to do, you know what I'm saying, Yeah. to track it down, because, you know, again, when Christianity infiltrated the country, and I'm going to go into a tiny bit of how that happened, or who did it, you know, they wiped out the records of the tradition that came before, because they didn't want the next generation of Norse to remember the ancient ways, because that doesn't benefit Christianity. They're not able to profit off of people when everyone is used to these traditions, and if they have the choice to go between that and Christianity, they're gonna pick Christianity. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, they just they just knew that everything was way cooler than the stupid fucking shit they got. I mean, let's be honest, dude, Jesus Christ is the biggest fucking pussy, dude. Yeah, he's whack. He sucks. So, like, the only way that they could ever make all the money they make and fucking fuck all the kids they want and do all that dumb shit is to hijack pagan. Holidays, they had to do that.
0: Yeah, and they, you know, every culture they went to, whether it was Japanese, Norse, anywhere they infiltrate, they'll try to burn out of the brain of the people and try to continue to bring it. Didn't take hold in a lot of countries, but unfortunately for Norway, as close as they were to uh, Westernized civilizations, they got swept in. But now. You know in uh, Scandinavian countries they're kind of taking it back and going more towards paganism and hedonism, which I quite appreciate. Yeah. Even though I don't follow myself under any particular branch of religion this is a very interesting history. I mean it goes back way before the idea of Christ. Yeah.
1: Heathens and like all the Asatru stuff is really fucking cool. There's a there's a good book called The Central Asatru I can't remember who writes it it's a lady that writes it but uh she really goes into detail about as, as much as she can because they did burn all the text and everything so they could just like wipe it off the earth. But yeah, it fucking rules, man. It's cool.
0: I think uh, I forgot to write her name down, but I'm pretty sure that's where I got a lot okay. of my stuff from. It was a yeah. lady that wrote the book, she had been on that uh, red eyed radio podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty cause she's like a well known yeah. authority as far as this goes, and we're not 100% sure what Yule meant to a heathen religious celebration, again, because the records were burned. But we can use history and handed down mythological ideals to get a pretty good clue as to how Yule was celebrated. Yule includes many mythological features that may throw some light on what your ancestors were up to during Yule and what they may have actually celebrated. The main tenets are the rebirth of the sun goddess... The liberation from the rule of death and the powers of the underworld, the celebration of Thor, who is to protect us from these powers, and the celebration of the ancestral mothers who will guide us from the time of darkness into the new sun cycle. During the 10th century AD, King Hokan the Good, a Christian, wanted Yuleblot to be held on the 25th of December in accordance with the continental Christmas celebrations, a decision which was part of a political process to Christianize Norway. Mm. So, again, as we see with Christianity all throughout civilization, there's a pretty clear path back toward the bullshit starts.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, their whole objective is, like, and here's, here's my main thing, is, like, they try to wipe out cultures, and they still do it to this day. That's why they have missionaries go over to other countries, and they try to go to, like, you know, Africa and get these tribes to believe in what they believe in. What happens is when they wipe out a culture, man, there's a history there that their own people forget about. You know, it's just part of their, uh, whoa, all right, Jack the Ripper Owens. <laughs> but uh, what they do is they rip. They basically just, like, get them to believe what they believe in, and then people that want to figure out what their history is, they're not able to because of what the Christians have done. Right. right? You know, and it's just, it's bullshit. It fucking sucks. Ugh.
0: Right, and the 25th was not the original date for the heathen Yule. Yule was the name of the time between the winter solstice and Yuleblot, which means Yule sacrifice, which originally happened on the 12th of January. If you were a heathen, you would observe Yule from the winter solstice, which this year is the 21st of December until January 12th. The Yule celebration seems to be... Three days and nights leading up to the sacrifice of January 12th. This was referred to as Drinking Yule, which I wanted to propose to you. We should definitely celebrate. we got plenty of time to uh, plan that out, and we just have a three-day party. You know what I'm saying? I'm down, Just in the nights. We just get together in the evening and have a bunch of food. A bunch of beers. A bunch of liquor. Do sit around a campfire and talk to the kids.
1: But Odin, God of Ships. But we're
0: bloated God of tits (laughs) Yeah yeah, I like that And during this time uh, They refer to it as Drinking Yule There is lots of drinking Feasting Games And songs And then at the end A sacrifice To the gods And the other powers Of winter Sweet Now Again This is all Kind of hard to look into But I tried my best To do a ton of research Into Where the idea Of Yule came from And it was a, you know, all came from this root of pagan tradition, which was rooted in what people would know as Norse, Scandinavian, into Germanic people. So what I came up with is, uh, first, we'll talk about Winter Solstice, um, which Winter Solstice is basically the rebirth of the sun goddess. I found this poem. A daughter is birthed by Elf Splendor the sun goddess, after she is swallowed by the wolf. She, the new sun, shall ride as the gods are dying, the old paths of her mother. The, win- the day of the winter solstice is the shortest day of the year, and in Norway, as in other countries to the far north, it is particularly short, lasting for a few hours at best. In the northern parts of Norway, the day of winter solstice is hardly a day at all, but rather a short moment of dark bluish light at midday before night once more settles and the sun is not seen. To the ancients it must have appeared as if the wolf of darkness was catching up to her, or that she had in fact succumbed, shining only a bleak light from the realm of hell, or from the wolf's belly. The poem I read refers to how the new sun goddess will begin to ride the ancient path of her mother when the gods are dying. It is not just a reference to Ragnarok, which, of course, is when the gods all die. Apocalypse. Apocalypse, the end of the world, starting when also the end of the gods. It is a reference to a time when the gods are weakened, dying, awaiting the gift of new life that is given by the resurrected Maiden. As described by the skaldic poem Hasseltong, when the gods begin to age and die, while their shared singular lover, the maiden goddess, resides in the underworld. It may mean several things at once, but on one level, this is a reference to winter and to the fact that the gods depend on the fruit of their lover, the goddess of resurrections, in order to revive and retain their immortality, their youth, and their strength. The solstice may well have represented the return of the life-giving sun goddess or even the rebirth of her new self or her daughter, so essentially for the return of life, light, and nourishment. Yule began at solstice and was a time of darkness when day by day the days grew longer, showing that the sun was being reborn and victorious. Perhaps Yule was originally that time of the year where time stood still, and the goddess of the new time cycle, which we would refer to as the new year, was still in her infancy. A fragile time that had to be supported ritually by all those who were in dire need of her success. Cool. From the Viking age, we know that the sun, which is known in Old Norse as Sul, the Germanic as Sūna, hence sun, was considered a goddess who dwelled amongst the Aesir, Aesir, how do you say that? a seer okay. And who rode and drove a chariot across the sky on an eternal flight from the devouring wolf of darkness. Eventually, she is doomed. Doomed to be swallowed by the wolf. In the Vulpusa, the end would appear to be the time of Ragnarok. But it is also an annual event because every year, the sun of the north is in fact swallowed by darkness. In Norse mythology the wolf is a creature of hell and the underworld representing death as well as related issues such as desire life force survival instincts hunger and greed not an evil creature but a formidable one and often an opponent unless you learn to steer it like the giantess Hirokin Hyenda and the god Odin appear to have done in the case of the sun we may safely assume that the wolf who eats her represents death, and death is in Norse myth not a fixed state but a transition phase associated with dark and coldness and winter. So that's where you know we're getting the solstice. Like basically, have the sun, who's the mother of everything on the earth, giving light to all, and then you have this wolf that represents the afterlife, hell, and if it succumbs, the sun. Then everything's taken over, but we know the gods are immortal, so nothing can be taken away from them, so she's reborn. Yep. There are a few fragmented myths and texts about her which show she was essentially to the order of the cosmos, to the time, I'm sorry, to time and to the creation on earth. She came from the southern realms of heat, threw her right hand around the steeds of heaven, claimed ownership to her halls, which I assume to be the planets and shone her rays upon the rocks of the Hall, Earth, which she began to sprout forth green growth. Whereas the myth is a cosmic creation story, a genesis. We may also imagine that it was used as an image of the way the rays of the great goddess of light brings forth new green growth on her Hall, the Earth goddess, after winter's darkness. The swallowing of the sun by a wolf may appear to be a reference to Ragnarok, but could also originally have been an image of how the sun is swallowed by darkness during the winter. Since Christian Christmas is all about the rebirth of a divine sun, a theme known to have been preceded by many older religions and often having to do with winter solstice, we may also recognize the celebration of the birth of a daughter, may have been an ancient theme in Scandinavia where the sun is a birth-giving mother, birthing her own new self at the beginning of a new cycle. There is a reference in the poem I read at the beginning as to how the sun goddess bears a daughter who will continue riding in the same paths as her mother after she has been swallowed by a wolf. It is a theme of cyclical time, how the end of a time cycle and thus the end of a sun gives way to a new cycle and a new sun. Thus, the theme is not just about Ragnarok, but about how the sun rebirths herself when a new cycle starts. A cycle may not just be a year. May the birth of a new sun goddess have been part of the solstice celebration. Chances are pretty fucking high. Yeah. I think that we would party for the sun god you know what i'm saying
1: hell yeah man That was a cool god
0: and all the way up to the 7th and 8th centuries the sun symbol continued to dominate the iconography of burial monuments for example possibly an indication that the sun represented a new cycle after death a new life of sorts it is often thought that the sun goddess lost importance in the religious cult of the vikings compared to earlier times Yet a lot of her essential characteristics survived into many goddesses, such as in the Vikings Freya, her golden eyes and necklace of flames made by the four directions. You might also see a memory of the sun goddess in Sif's main attribute, her hair of gold. And we may see the sun in Freya's wife, Gerd's bright arms, arms so bright they illuminate the lands and oceans. And not the least in the way that the Valkyrie are described as bright, shining, southern, golden, red, emanating rays shine lightning and the way their heat rays create the honeydew that falls into the valley and how they, quite like Gerd, illuminate the air and ocean as they ride. Now, of course, we know the Valkyrie...
1: (laughs) <laughs> that was an audible fart. <laughs> you know the
0: Valkyrie, the women that are awaiting everyone who's not a disgusting slob like Buddy, after they die, and make their way into Valhalla. Well, what you des- when you
1: described him as like crispy golden or whatever the fuck? Man, it sounds like yeah, like church's
0: chicken, fucking heat oven, man. Man, what would you rather have sex with when you die than a hot, steamy plate of sweet church's chicken? A bucket of church's chicken. <laughs>
1: Pound that shit with some honey biscuits. Yeah, you don't want to
0: run out, you know what I'm saying?
1: Nah, man. It's hard to fucking, well, what happens is you carve it up with the gravy that you make into the bucket, and yeah. you
0: eat it, man, like that. You would pour the gravy over the fried chicken? My it would dip? get all sogged up, dude. With dick gravy. Oh, oh yeah, I got you.
1: I mean, you know, because it would beat up, dude, so it wouldn't be like gravy, because yeah, sure. it's all like kind of hot. You'd froth
0: it. Yeah. You froth it up. You
1: know when you're beating in the shower, you fucking. Yeah. yeah.
0: It turns into beads. It's weird. That is a weird thing. Why does cum beat up in the shower like that? It uh, coagulates quick.
1: That's one for but Bill But it doesn't Nye.
0: happen when you're fucking, though. you know what I mean? If you, you, you come in there and you just keep pounding it, you get that froth like a bulldog biting into a can of mug root beer. Whoa. That's what their logo is too. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Dude, that's so accurate. That's so dumb. (laughs) But yeah, the Valkyrie is like Gerd of the Illuminating Arms is discovered hidden in the Underworld. So we know that the goddess of solar associations are also threatened. Both Sif and Freya are in danger of becoming the Brides of Giants from the Dark Spaces. And the goddess Idun is in fact abducted by the eagle who represents death in the winter realm of Tiramir, where Scotty, the darkness of skiing, hunts with the wolves of death, shooting her deadly arrows. The eagle who abducts Idun is frequently also called wolf in the poem Hasseltong. So that is a theme of the sun-eating wolf may be present, the abduction of the bright southern light and life-bringing golden goddesses and the dire need to restore her to her place among the gods is a recurring theme in Norse mythology. In the 10th century Skaldic poem Hastalong, where Aiden's abduction is described, the goddess is described as the lover of all the gods. The glorious maiden who knows the age cure of Ashir, and significantly to our drinking celebrants, the ale provider i loves her yeah man she is the goddess who brings eternal resurrection and rejuvenation to the gods which they need in order to stay immortal in the edda poem hafnerger odin's raven spell she is also said to be of elf kind just like the sun and her role as both old and young is emphasized and like all the stars of the universe, she is a seed of that universe. The seed of Yggdrasil. And here's a, uh, another poem that I pulled out of that. That it basically just described. And all I'm trying to do here is just show where the uh, even older than Norse Scandinavian traditions, the pagan traditions got passed down to the Norse. Yeah. So you kind of see the evolution of how you had the sun goddess... And how as the, you know, more war-hungry Norse who had a need for many gods that would pulsate their drive to conquer, it got spread out in between gods and goddesses. And there was many tales, and most of those tales involved some sort of quest and tribulation that would be overcome and the hero would triumph. And there was a villain in every single one of these epic tales. So that's all I'm doing is showing where the evolution came from. So you had the sun goddess, and now we're showing how that evolved into Norse goddesses.
1: Man, uh, I watched something not that long ago. I think it was maybe Metal Hammer made it. I'm not sure, but uh, it was about... Um
0: Fug Metal Hammer, first yeah. of all. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's Metal <laughs> Hammer for sure. I'm not
1: positive, but um, it was about Wardruna. Have you ever listened to that? It's like a uh, Norse... Music group. It's got the dude from uh, Gorgoroth in it, and he he does oh, like yeah 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 yeah. And it's just basically just like Norse mythology, right? Yeah, folk music, man. sure. Yeah, it rips. And that Yargosl album kicks ass. Dude. Yeah, I like it. It's like you could pretty much get away with doing yoga to that because it was about fucking Vikings. Yeah,
0: sweet. I mean, you could get away with doing yoga to anything. I do some yoga. I yeah. stretch. I do like mobility shit. you Broga. I mean, just move my body around. You know do want to stiffen up hell no on them hoes like you dude you get fucking backed <laughs>
1: hey man I do yoga but this dude get stiffed in my day
0: <laughs> there dwells in the valleys a knowledge hungry goddess the seed of Yggdrasil, which is the universe sinking down the ash the universe of the lineage of elves her name is Iden which translates to stream returns to source. She is the oldest child of the inner rulers, and she is the youngest child. Apart from being the seed of the universe and one that returns cyclically to the point of origin, it is the elven lineage that gives Iden's secret identity away. If not as the sun herself, so at least as one of the goddesses who inherited the essential attributes of the older sun goddess. Further down, we will see that elves representing souls may have been important during the time that counted down to the winter solstice as well as during Yule. Then we should bear in mind that the sun goddess was not only called Sol, but also Alfredul which translate to elf shine, elf splendor, or elf wheel. Thus, she is the wheel, or shine, or splendor of the elves, which ultimately represented souls. An association to Sami sun goddess is appropriate here, since the Sami goddess, Bivinidi, the sun maiden, was considered the source of all souls. The souls came to earth as rays from the sun maiden and were received by the earth goddess Matharaka, whose three daughters distributed and protected the souls when entering wombs of female individuals. What an image it must have been to those who lived in this reality. A sun whose rays were vibrant, shining souls on their steady way to inhabit living bodies on earth, And what a time of no life it must have been when the sun failed to shine during winter, leaving space, haunting the souls of those who had already died. So the old central importance of the sun goddess in Scandinavia may have been, if not actually disappeared by the Viking Age. So perhaps may have been shattered into many different younger versions of goddesses, who have individual names and features, yet who also share many solar attributes, yet who are not exactly the sun, or perhaps were, in which case they would have represented aspects of the older sun goddess, having assumed a separate life of their own. That kind of hypothesis is also well-known feature of ancient religions, not just Norse religion. That's basically everything. Hinduism... Buddhism. I mean, they all kind of draw from the idea that the sun is a goddess of life, basically where you draw your energy from. And if the sun dies out, everything dies out. That's not an original concept. Yeah. But it's interesting how that flows all throughout the earth, even though these cultures haven't met.
1: I think that just has to do with mushrooms, dude.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: I mean, because like Hindus straight up won't eat cows because they think I'm a spiritual animal because like they, they ate grow mushrooms. mushrooms in their shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we know the Vikings definitely did like raids based upon like Odin talking yeah. to him, you know, through Chicka mushrooms. That's pretty crazy, man. Yeah, in the universe, Yargasil, yeah, for sure. <laughs> without your pants, um, Yargasil is crazy because universe, you know. So like, maybe that's mushrooms, dude. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, man. You chow them down, you go to Plowtown. Dude, you fucking, man, listen, getting ripped on mushrooms is the key to all. Yeah, you basically
0: can figure everything out. I mean, at least internally. Yeah, not outwardly, for some people. Not me. (laughs) I get loose. Woo, you do. It was only (laughs) once, man.
1: Yeah, well, ain't nothing like having to tell a fucking 30-something-year-old man to put one foot into his pants and one foot in the other because he can't walk around his neighbor with his fucking witch finger out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: one and a poem that strongly suggests that the sun goddess may have been far more important during the Viking age than is commonly assumed is the poem Solaryud, The Song of the Sun, where it is in fact the sun who represents paganism as such in contrast to Christianity. She also represents life and the human heart The sun is continuously referred to in this poem She is the true star of day on earth The star of hope in the human heart A glorious goddess of old And in death she is the sun of the giantess Basically the sun of hell Shining darkly beneath the earth It is to her that the poet takes his leave As he accepts death as well as a new religion, yet, without long, yet not without longing for the old ways, not without lament for life and his old faith. I saw the sun, and it seemed to me I was seeing a glorious goddess. To her I bowed for one last time in this world of time. This shows that the winter solstice is about the return of the light of the sun, and that the sun was actually a very important and ancient goddess among pagan Scandinavians. A splendid goddess of shine who rebirths herself from darkness of the wolf's belly. Since the wolf is often a metaphor for death in Norse mythology, we are speaking of the death of the sun. The time she spends as the son of the giantess in hell. And that death may have happened annually during winter. Yet it is within the darkness of death, while dwelling within the belly of the great wolf, who is death, that she rebirths her daughter's self. And this is metaphorically exactly what happens during the dark of winter. Winter solstice is the day of her return, of her rebirth. Thus, the Yule celebration is a celebration of her rebirth, a fragile time dreading the possibility that she may not succeed. A time of supporting her growth with every day. For the three weeks or so it takes before her success is a given, proved by the brightness of day, night, and all her kind. Hail day, hail the sons of day, hail night, and all her sisters. Cool. Winter was a time of slumbering, death-like stillness, darkness and coldness. All attributes associated with death, hell, and the underworld, it is also a time of night. From Norse mythology, we know that the darkness of night was personified. A mysterious giantess who mated with Odin at the dawn of time and became the mother of our own ancestral mother, the Earth Goddess, she is also the mother of Dagger, Day, who represents the time when the Sun Goddess shines. And who himself, his sons, alongside night, her sisters, and all the heavenly bodies are the counters of time. In one Ida poem, Earth's mother called Amma, or Grandmother, and she is a terrifying sight, having 900 heads. Grim. Whoa. Yet from her darkness emerged a bright-browed mother the Earth who carried the Horn of Plenty to her first child, Thor, who ultimately represents humankind and all the children of Earth. You just described a really cool mushroom trip. (laughs) (laughs) You see some 900-headed old lady giving birth to a lady who gives birth to Thor. (laughs) Be so cool, man. Yikes.
1: That's such a wet scene, man. There's a lot of fucking pussy and guts Yeah, there's
0: moisture in the air for sure.
1: This is cool, man. We should just fucking go ahead and convert. This is sweet.
0: (laughs) It is a kick-ass religion. And winter was a time when the powers of death and darkness ruled. Night and all her kindred. It was holy darkness, which they referred to as Nokave, that ruled this time of year and her sisters would include the powers of death, such as hell. It is important to note that the powers of darkness, night, hell, and winter, are not evil. Albeit dangerous, they are in fact the powers that birth the powers of light and life, day, earth, and the sun, as represented by Grandmother night. It is likely that powers associated with darkness and death were celebrated in some way or other. Whoa. If for nothing else, so as to placate them in the hope that they will not bring about as much destruction as they could if displeased. The theme of placating the powers of darkness is an important aspect of folklore survivals from heathenry into modern times. Uh, man, I wonder you know, hell in uh
1: in the Norse religion is spelled H E L. Yeah. So I wonder if since it's uh the underworld. I wonder if the Christians later on stole that. Oh, ad- there's
0: no wondering. They for sure did. did I they? mean, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I got cr- like the only negative reviews I've ever read about us online was some fucking thread on Reddit where we were kind of getting thrashed for how I said that uh, Constantine is who wrote the New Testament. Yeah. And uh, I probably don't have the names right. But I I remember studying it, and then I definitely remember that Dan Carlin Hardcore History Podcast where he talked about how, like, um, basically the Vikings kind of, like, evolved into the Ossigoths, the Visigoths. They kind of moved into, like, Italy and Russia and other parts of Europe. Yeah. Because they were basically, like, um, intertwined with—I can't—I think it's, like, the Huns. Yeah, the Huns, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, like the Huns, they kept like a great log of enemies that they met on the battlefield. So the Huns had a specific way for fighting each enemy that they faced across the uh, planet that they were living on. You know, they basically quested for world domination. Now, when they ran into the Vikings, the only strategy that they had for doing battle with them was to stay away from them for long enough for the liquor that they brought to dry up, and then they would lose interest and go back to where they came from. And I got it's like some shitheads wrote a terrible post about that. But that caused me to go back and look into it, and I was pretty much right. The bottom line is this. The New Testament was completely manufactured by someone who was a descendant of the Visigoths. Yeah. Right? So this all came from trying to blend... Eastern and Western culture. But at some point, you know, you had the Old Testament, which had existed in, I guess, what you would call Middle Eastern culture around the same time that, you know, the Huns controlled the East, the Vikings controlled their area, and I guess what you would consider Western Europe. All these cultures clashed and met, but the Old Testament. You know, you have the all the Abrahamic religions that fall under that Old Testament umbrella. Now, the New Testament was handcrafted to make people serve under a particular regime to have to accept one truth, or no matter what your life was like when you were alive, if you were rich, if you were a slave, yeah. no matter what your life was like when you died, it could be way worse or way better than where you are at as you would either go to heaven or you would go to hell. So it gave people the hope that when they died, which is what all religion is based in, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you like everything in the world, just from a place of like being a human being, you see people die, you know, death is imminent. You don't want to have the idea that when you die, you're snuffed out from existence entirely. It feels way better to think that when I pass away, Life goes on. There's a soul inside of me, and that's going to continue to exist once my physical body stops. In other words, I'm an eternal being, and I'm going to go somewhere. Which is extremely egotistical. Extremely egotistical, and it's also the easiest way to grasp how finite life is. Yeah. We could be driving home drunk right when we get done with this and get evaporated in a car wreck. Yeah, we could. (laughs) uh, I mean, we would never drive drunk, of course. No, man, we don't do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, But, you know, life is not infinite, you know? And to be able to put that in a basket of when I die, this is how I get to a better place, you know? And the New Testament version of Christianity took it to an area where it wasn't even necessarily good or bad. You just had to believe in Jesus with all your heart and you could go on to heaven. But that was a great way to corral people into being Christ-like. And the Christ figure is completely based on Old Testament law with some New Testament teachings, which basically makes people succumb to the will of the ruler. You know, you have yeah. to be a good person, which means he has which, to police people less.
1: At some point, man, we'll, I'm sure we'll delve into this in a further episode when we get to like more Illuminati shit or whatever. But um, I've heard some conspiracy theories where basically like the Illuminati want you to believe in that yeah. so that they're able to rule you. And that all your deeds serve them. And so that really you're serving the legions of hell because that's what they serve is the devil.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Which would
1: be so sick. Yeah, well,
0: except for the being Christian part. But yeah. Well, they're not being Christian. They're just (laughs) thinking. Yeah, I mean, the whole point I'm trying to get to is you just have this mind control scheme. And what it did is it just nitpicked. From every single religion that they had come into contact with. Now, again, think about the trajectory of this. You have the Huns involved with it at some point, yeah, and you also have other world-conquering societies that have come into contact with all these societies, so they're seeing what works well with keeping people in check.
1: And Attila, the Hun, was the coolest
0: dude. Yeah, he was cool, but he knew how to control people, and Yo, that's what I'm getting at. Is yeah. you have a log. Of how to do this. Who's so the only Asian with a big dick? <laughs> <laughs> they took this religious route um, in this society. And, you know, Christianity just totally aped it. They civilized these people. And it's not that they were uncivilized. They just had a particular tribal way of doing things. And that's how they took them over. And then Christianity worked its way in. And, and you can see what a struggle it was. I mean, it took all the way up until... You know, the the 1600s or wherever we're at here to completely wipe out all of this religion. Was it, I mean, I'm probably wrong, but was it Attila the
1: Hun, like the dude that did so much fucking that, like, literally everybody shares his DNA?
0: That's Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan, okay. Yeah, that's okay. a little bit further down the line. But they're descendants of the Huns. Okay. I think. <laughs> they gotta be. I fucking hate to talk about history on the podcast yeah, now because too, man. I'm not the smartest about it, but I feel like I've heard. I mean, it's just enough. cool that
1: dudes just
0: did a bunch of fucking. but man. that's for sure. Genghis Khan is supposedly part of the DNA of like 70% of earth because he just dipped his dick into so much
1: shit and man, his sons too. You know, I just imagine like him sliding a fucking cool blade in his mouth and swinging from a vine and then fucking be oh, like, dude. is that your
0: woman? <laughs> he was coming. So 24 seven coming. baby. That's a lot of... Coming, 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 coming. Yeah, so, you know, now we're kind of caught up to where um, we're into the Norse part of Yule. So we'll get into the Yule Riders, which is when the inhabitants of hell returned to Earth. The dangerous powers that dominated midwinter must have been fearsome things to people who in so many ways were dependent upon their natural environment, which is what paganism is. It's a symbiotic relationship with nature, respecting things that you can't control as a god, which into you, because you have no control over it, it basically is a god. You know what I mean? Yeah, and
1: then, like, here's the other thing, too, man. They didn't really call Earth Earth. They called it Midgard. Because yeah. it was, like, Middle Earth, right. basically, which is where J.R.R. Yeah, Tolkien came up with Lord of the Rings, like Middle Earth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then that's what we're talking about right now is uh, Mid-Earth. And there were there are some elements from later Norwegian folklore which may represent aspects of heathen survivals. One of these is Oskoria, or rather, Asgard Riders. The immortal souls of dead ancestors who ride through the nights of winter. The Oscaria gathering is also known as Eularia or Eulascaria. <laughs> Too many words, man. Korea. <laughs> Basically all that means the Yule Riders. The Yule Riders consisting of various creatures of the underworld and the souls of the dead made a fearsome gathering as they rode the dark lands of winter and dangerous to those who crossed their paths, especially to those of impure intentions. Some may recognize this image as somewhat similar to the continental folkloristic themes such as the wild hunt. And at the end of this, I'm going to go into the Wild Hunt, which is more of a Viking Yule tradition. Yeah, it's it's a great saga, dude. Since the writers from Asgard appear to come from the world of pagan gods, we must assume that the theme has roots in paganism, yet may have changed considerably with Christianity. What we may assume to be the original heathen essence of this theme is that the Dark Winter is an era where the souls of the dead as well as other creatures of the underworld roam freely in the world of people because the borders between the world of the living and the world of the dead has become blurred. Because the world of the living has in fact become like dark, cold, merciless hell. Perhaps this error of the freely wandering dead was instigated already at the 1st of November when the Alphablot, which is a sacrifice to the elves, was held in order to honor the souls and ancestors who now dwelled in mounds and rocks of dark elves. The elves, we know, were offered beer, meat, and blood. And rites to placate them, please them, and avoid their anger and vengeance were made. The date of the elf sacrifice was the countdown to winter solstice. With the days growing every shorter and the power of death and darkness grew greater. In folklore and latter Yule traditions, the original heathen element of these spirits and souls in the land of the underworld may have taken over by a large gathering of supernatural species known as nisser, or small folk, which are gnomes or little people, fairies and trolls, and elements which survived themselves by wreaking havoc. And uh, basically what you wanted to do if you had all these wild little creatures running around your area, is you would need to offer them something, which in these days they would offer them, you know, beer and porridge. So basically if you gave them porridge, they would be happy. They would have a good time. They would just come suck that porridge up and sneak off into the night, which is where they got the tradition of Santa Claus and the cookies and the milk. Yeah. And if you didn't take care of them, they would help themselves to a good time by wreaking havoc and making your cows lose their milk. Damn. If, however, the little people were treated with porridge and even beer during the dark winter nights, they would bring great fortune to the farm, its animals, and its people. Hell yes. (laughs) That's so cool, dude. (laughs) Which, you know, that's also a metaphor for sacrifice. Yeah. So basically you have the option to sacrifice something to your god. You're sacrificing something a little bit smaller to, like, these little mischievous creatures. We are seeing rather than dividing the world into good and evil, our heathen ancestors saw a world full of powers that may or may not be benevolent according to a given situation, according to a particular perspective, and according to how they are met and treated. Offerings and sacrifice, what we would easily call worship, was not always worship, but rather a placating of powers that are potentially malevolent and dangerous. If successful, the dark forces may prove benevolent and helpful. And here's a cool poem that I found that's Thor and the Old Yule Goat. Oh, fuck. Then all the rulers went to the high chairs of faint, the sacronact gods. And of this they spoke, who had the air, all blended with evil. And who to the line devours given poetry's maiden? Thor alone was then seized by powerful angle. anger. He seldom sits when he hears such things. So he crushed the goats. Crushed them. When faced with the unpredictable powers of darkness and the underworld, people in the heathen times would need assistance. No matter how hard they tried to placate the kindred of night and death, they could often only hope for divine protection, and in that regard, the god Thor was the greatest protector. The one god whose main mission was to protect his Mother Earth and the Middle World, Midgard, from the powers of darkness and destruction, and the only one who had the strength and the courage to stand up to the wolf-riding Lady of Death. Thor is also the great protector of the Maidens, that divine and life-providing damsel annually in distress, whose light and love belongs to the gods and whom they look to for their annual rejuvenation. Perhaps it was to him that gods and people looked for help and protection when the time of the great battle for resurrection to her place among the gods had arrived. We know that Thor was important during Yule Celebration, And the reason may be that his role as a protector against exactly the kinds of forces that roamed free on Earth during that fragile time from the rebirth of the sun and her annual resurrection to former glory at the 12th of January. He may have represented the hero of the day, the one whose protection and direct action not only protected the people against the onslaught of destructive powers, but who also saved the solar damsel in distress in some way or other. It is at least very likely that Thor, as a god of Yule, ensured the safe growth, protection of, and eventually the glorious return of the new sun. We do not know exactly how Thor was worshipped during Yule in pagan times, But it is thought that some of these Thor rituals may have survived in the Scandinavian tradition called Yulebug, the Yule Goat. The goat, a symbol of Thor, was was an established symbol of Yule, and the animal was slaughtered as a sacrifice during Yule. Perhaps referring to the myth of how Thor could slaughter his precious goats and revive them the day after with a blow from his hammer which was a symbol of resurrection, and particularly resurrection of that which gives nourishment. It is possible that myths like this were reenacted ritually by people who dressed with a goat's head wearing goat's fur. The latter tradition of the Yule Goat survived into modern times and it involves people, today mostly children, wearing masks while visiting their neighbors, singing Christmas carols, And receiving food, which today is mostly sweets. We may well imagine that the heathen origins of this tradition, perhaps with goat head masked men roaming the neighborhood, singing, dancing, and receiving the offerings of Thor, which sounds a lot like Halloween. Yes. I assume their pagan songs were quite different from, and perhaps a lot more naughty than, our Christmas carols. But the essence is the same. People embodying the dying and resurrecting goats of Thor, symbols of renewed strength and pulling the power of goats, rejuvenation and restoration and nourishment of the world. So we need fucking pet goats, dude. Absolutely. Dude, there's one I look at every day on my drive home that I feel so bad for. He's tied up. He's huge. And when I drive the Malvern way... He's tied up on this fucking short-ass rope. It's a huge goat with two gigantic, like, curled horns. How the fuck do they have... They have, a like, a Snoopy-looking doghouse on a rope. It seems absurd. Like, why doesn't that goat... Dude, why doesn't that goat just bite the rope and get the hell out of there? Well, it's because it needs your help,
1: dude, because he yeah. knows that like, he's yeah. waiting for you, man. Should liberate that old boy? Liberate his You madness. know what would be cool as fuck <laughs> is to have a
0: big old goat running around my house so when the neighborhoods come over, they just get fucking... He headbutted you. Yeah. <laughs> fuck those kids. Those kids suck, dude.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you should just have people headbutt the fuck out of that goat. Let's see what happens.
0: Yeah, so the last thing I wanted to tie in... I feel like I gave a pretty clear presentation of how the oldest pagan traditions in this region of the world evolved into where we are at with Thor, Midgard, and what we know as the traditional Viking trajectory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll just kind of dive into the wild hunt, which is also a big Yule tradition because it represents the darkness of winter that we we're talking about. And the wild hunt is a European folk myth involving a ghostly or supernatural group of huntsmen passing in wild pursuit. The hunters may be either elves or fairies of the dead. And the leader of the hunt is often a named figure associated with Woden. Odin? But maybe, variously, a historical or legendary figure. Like other civilizations that kind of blended Christianity and took Norse religion, they would cram some of their leaders into that. So you had like Theodoric the Great, who was a uh, Ossigoth, he ruled over Italy. At a certain point. And uh, Christians, once they bootlegged it and they were trying to mix it in, they had like Herod lead a wild hunt. They had Cain lead a wild hunt, Gabriel. And then as it became more negative, they even had the devil lead a wild hunt in Christianity as they blended their religions together. Yeah. Seeing the wild hunt was thought to presage some catastrophic events such as war or plague or at best, the death of the one who witnessed it. People encountering the hunt might also be abducted to the underworld or the fairy kingdom. In some instances, it was also believed that people's spirits could be pulled away during their sleep to join the cavalcade. That'd be a cool fucking way to go when Hell yeah! you just pass out and now you're part of Odin's hunting crew. Odin's? So goat fucks you. <laughs> oh, no. A goat dick wouldn't be too bad. I don't know, man. They probably have, like, some weird corkscrew thing going on. Because I got a feeling goats aren't easy on the pussy. They're not giving it up.
1: Oh, no. I mean, they got to beat the hell out of it because it's yeah. got a small dick. But it's yeah, got bumps. Yeah, goats hard, dude. They got
0: bumps on it. It's like a mace. Oh, God. What's easy about that? Easy. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Odin's hunt was heard but rarely seen, and a typical trait is that one of Odin's dogs was barking louder and a second one fainter. Beside one or two shots, these dogs were the only sounds that were clearly identified. When Odin's hunt was heard, it meant changing weather in many regions, but it could also mean war and unrest. According to some reports... The entire forest would go silent, and you could only hear a whining sound and dogs barking. Tradition maintains that Odin did not travel further than an ox wears his yoke. So if Odin was hunting, it was safest to throw oneself on the ground in order to avoid being hit. Because, you know, Odin would hunt with lightning. Yeah. So that kind of synced up with the idea that if you were walking and lightning started to strike near to you, the closer you were to the ground, the less likely you were to be struck with lightning. Makes sense. It was safest to carry a piece of bread or a piece of steel when going to church and back during Yule. Reason being, if you met Odin first, you would want to throw a piece of steel in front of you. So if he threw a lightning strike, it would hit the steel. Yeah. But if you met the dogs first, you would want to throw them a piece of bread so the dogs would be preoccupied by the bread and you could escape.
1: That's fucking cool, dude.
0: Yeah, man. And uh, that sounds a whole lot cooler than Christmas to me because Christmas, you just have some fucking dingus that was born unto us allegedly to die a puss on a cross. Yeah, man, fuck that shit. And, you know, dude, here's the thing. that
1: Everybody's like, oh, it's St. Nick. St. Nicholas is Santa Claus. Like, no, man. Here's the the myth of Santa Claus is Odin. Odin and Santa Claus are the same motherfucker. They just had to Christianize that shit. And guess what? Coca-Cola is the one that fucking brought it forth as, like, what you think of as Santa Claus. Really? Yeah, dude. It was Coke? Coca-Cola. Makes sense. So
0: just some fat fucking...
1: How the fuck could they sell anything else, man? Like, okay, kids believe in this shit. We'll make them believe in this shit, and they'll buy Coca-Cola.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's Odin for sure. It's a wide-brimmed, big-bearded motherfucker. The only
1: difference is the an old fucker with Slinging dick both his goddamn eyes. With no goddamn knowledge. Because he got a, both of his eyes.
0: Yeah, well, that was a lot of fun to uh, delve into, I think. It was a little bit different for us. But, you know, we're trying to keep the holiday spirit alive around here. Yeah. And then uh, next week, we'll dive back into some blood and gore and guts and uh, illicit sexual activity. Uh, Slashing and And compassion. compassion. (laughs) That's what we're all about here at Death Metal Dicks. We hope you guys have a great holiday. And uh, we'll talk to you after Christmas. We'll record. All right. (laughs) Next week. And uh we'll send one out the Thursday after this. Again, safe holidays. Hope everyone is well. Thank you guys again so much for supporting this podcast. We love you and we'll see ya next week. Bye. Well, no, we got to read lyrics, dude. Oh. Oh yeah. I forgot. Oh, yeah. I always forget, dude. Yeah, always Who be. knows. Oh yeah. yeah, and so this week we wanted to go on an epic quest of
1: uh, we could have chose, like, you know, a or Moth or Bathory or Falkenback, but yeah. you know what, man? We decided to go with a band that's the most hated, but you can't hate them because they kick ass. Dude,
0: if you, first of all, if you hate this band, you're posing as hard as possible. It's everything
1: you wanted when you were nine. You were watching Van Damme movies yeah. and fucking Renegade and shit, and you're like, hey, dude, what the fuck's up with life right now? I don't know, man. Wrist locks and fucking battle axes and whatever the fuck else. Babes and motorcycles. Yeah. That's the band called Man of Man of War. War. <laughs> man of War, dude. All right. This song is called Hell and Kill. All yeah, right. <clears throat> Brothers, I am calling the Valley of the Kings from the Valley of the Kings with nothing to atone. <laughs> you fucked it up in the first line, <laughs> Right dude. off the bat, man. Jesus Christ. A dark march lies ahead. Together we will ride like thunder from the sky. May your sword stay wet like a young girl in her prime. Hold your hammers high. Blood and death awaiting like a raven in the sky. I was born to die. Hear me while I live, as I look into your eyes, none shall hear a lie. Power and dominion are taken by the will. By divine right hail and kill. Hail and kill Fuck yeah. Hail and kill. <laughs> My father was a wolf. I'm a kinsman of the slain sworn to rise i will bring salvation punishment and pain the hammer of hate is our faith power and dominion are taken by the will by divine right hail and kill i'm getting fired up dude you're real fighter hey, Let's <laughs> fight the cops yeah <laughs> yeah kill and kill and it just says hail and kill like 65 fucking thousand times yeah man Rip their flesh, burn their hearts, stab them in the eyes, rape their women as they cry, kill their servants, burn their homes till there's no blood left to spill. Hell and kill. Power and dominion are taken by the will. By divine right, hell and kill. 65,000 fucking hell and kills over and over. And that's Man of War's Hell and Kill. May your swords be wet! Like, like a, a young, young girl, girl in her prime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Raise your hammers, hammers high! Yeah. Man, that kicks ass. We thank you guys again so much. Um, I hope you get your ass ate this holiday season. You're going to. Hey, yeah. play this song, but <laughs> you know, getting ate. Yeah, man. If you to bring your old lady home on a sweet holidays night and crank up that fireplace to 11... And you just get in front of the fireplace, and uh, you took your Yule log back and pull your fucking shorts off and expose your hole. Dude, that's a Yule meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Take me back, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is this the season to expose your wreath for your sweet slag to bequeath? <laughs> to bequeath? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Oh uh, hell yeah, man! We'll see you guys next week. Hell Satan, hell that mother. Thank <laughs> you.